broadcast. This is your emergency broadcast system. It's time for the hashtag Biz with the Beer podcast. Business as you've never heard before. This is an ACS executive production. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be one bumpy flipping ride. May God be with you all. Good afternoon and welcome to the podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hashtag biz with the beard podcast. This is business as you've never heard before. Time to let the cougar loose. I'm your host, the man with the beard, because, well, a man should look like a man. I am Kirby Smith. Wow. If he's here, who's running hell? And I'm grateful for all our listeners who tune in on the amazing podcast platforms out there, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Pandora, Anchor, and many more. Now, if you want to support the show, you can do that and subscribe to future episodes at anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard. And you can also contact me directly to be title sponsors at curfee at acsexec.com. That's C-U-R-P-H-Y at A-C-S-E-X-E-C.com. All right, so I'm excited for today's guest because he's a longtime friend and colleague. But before I formally introduce him... Um, I want to make mention of our partnership with Coon Beard Products. If you want your beard to be bold, audacious, brave, and courageous like mine, let me fill you in on a little secret. I use Coon Beard Balm and Beard Oils. Coon has also just recently launched a monthly subscription box called the Coon Box. And every month you get $60 worth of products delivered for free for only $29 a month. The Coon Box comes with beard oil, beard balm, Coon soap, and other surprises each and every month. And my good friend, the owner, Chris is always experimenting with new products. So anything new, he'll put in samples each month as well. So you get like many new scents each month and new products. So how can you be disappointed? And by the way, you have to see these cool handmade wooden boxes that they come in. They're designed to hold your Coon Beard Oil and Beard Balm products. Now, as a hashtag biz with beard listener, Coon is going to hook up all our bearded or future bearded listeners, that could be you, Matt, by giving you your first month free when you sign up for a Coon Box. <laughs> all you have to do is go to coonbox.com and use code BizBeard when you sign up. Use that code and you'll get your first month free. Remember, that's a $60 value, absolutely free. That is coonbox.com. Use the code BizBeard and get your first month free. It's time to get your beard on. Now that we've got the gave away all my beauty secrets, let's bring on our guest. He hails from the Whiskey City of Peoria, Illinois. He is the current CEO of the Children's Home of Central Illinois. His resume boasts other nonprofit leadership positions, such as the former executive director of the Holt Center for Healthy Living, president and CEO of the Youth Farm, and executive director of former Illini NFL quarterback, the Jeff George Foundation. He's an entrepreneur who successfully ran numerous retail and restaurant businesses in Central Illinois. He just released a book called Nonprofit Game Plan, The Proven Strategy for Nonprofit Success where he drew mentorship and cooperation from the Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington. Hashtag biz with the beard fans. I am pleased to have on the show today, my good friend, CEO, public speaker, author, and just a damn good guy, Mr. Matt George. Matt, welcome to the hashtag biz with the beard podcast, sir. Man, I'm fired up. Thanks for having me. <laughs> good. That's quite an intro. Is it? Did, 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 I, not, not, did <laughs> I not say enough? Should I send more or what? <laughs> 
Uh, That's awesome. So how are things up there in Peoria, Illinois, man? It's great. Uh, it's beautiful today. Blue sky, not a cloud in the sky. And, uh, you know, we need this right now. We need this weather to turn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm down here in Atlanta, and we have had just, like, nonstop rain. And uh, moving down here, it's not like up north when I used to live in Peoria, um, where you guys have storms come in and move out. When it rains here, it just rains. I think we've had more rain than Seattle. It's been, it's crazy. It's, uh, I used to live in Atlanta when, uh, really uh, Jeff played for the Falcons and, uh, I lived there four years and ran his foundation down in Atlanta. And there was a two year stretch where it was double the amount of rain than Seattle. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's sunny today and I, hopefully it stays that way and gets back up into the seventies uh, here. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I hear you. I hear you. So, well, Matt, well, Matt and I have known each other, and from what I know, we've always gotten along. However, we do have some major differences, and the first one is obvious: is at Matt prefers the aerodynamic look as compared to my lumberjack look. Um, so, <laughs> so before we get a little too serious, Matt, I, I, I do not ever, I don't ever remember you besides shaving and clean up top. When did you decide to say, you know what, F it, I'm just going to take it off? Oh, I mean, probably. Probably 12, 13 years ago. It was kind of funny. That's a true story. I, I uh, won an award, and they took a picture of me, and the photographer actually put hair on my <laughs> top of my head. And I went in there, and I said, you have got to be, to be kidding me. That's not me. And he goes, well, I thought you wanted it. And I said, well, if you're going to change something, why wouldn't you make my nose smaller or something like that? I mean, hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious or could have gave you a beard yeah. right that would have been nice yeah, or something <laughs> yeah now i used to razz my old co-host a lot about his dome uh but the truth is and it's obvious you know with you matt that you know i do not believe a beard defines a man's character well, in my case case it's just an exclamation point however i do have a serious question and as the former executive of holt center for healthy living will you go on record today in the show and say that having a beard is very healthy for you as they can prevent harmful sun rays that could cause skin cancer, and they are great filters for airborne bacteria, therefore protecting you from having harmful and possibly deadly microscopic agents entering your mouth. Can you do that? Or um, No. God, this guy's a bummer. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I can say is, uh, yeah, if you have a beard, you're not going to have uh, uh, the tan that you know I like to get when I go uh, down to Atlanta or even more <laughs> south. So, so that's a that's a gift. So you're not going on the record and saying it can help prevent coronavirus, huh? No, I'm not going there. Okay, all right, no. all right. <laughs> <laughs> not going there. Well, the other thing is Matt is a huge Illini fan, and I'm a big Hawkeye fan. A big reason for his Illini faith stems from his family ties to the Illini. And it's, Jeff George is your cousin, right? Yeah, our dads are brothers. We're okay. first cousins. Yeah, so you, you have that tie there with Jeff George. Um now, the Hawks have had the Illini's number for quite a long time, especially in football. <laughs> and you and I have always had a little fun right. with that, you know, teasing each other back and forth. Uh, but in fact, what was it, like two years ago, I remember watching the football game uh, where the Illini visited Kinnick Stadium, and Matt was sitting with Jeff George in the crowd. And so the, ca the camera kept panning to him throughout the game, obviously because it was Matt. And uh, <laughs> you didn't even need to see the score to know what was going on just by the look at Matt's expression <laughs> during the game. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, that that was a, a tough game uh, because my daughter uh, was a cheerleader all of her college career at Iowa. And so she was cheering that game and quarterbacking for Illinois was Jeff's son, Jeffrey. And so we had 
uh, Iowa ties, and we were in Iowa, and then we also uh, had family ties playing, and so playing kind of outdid the uh, cheerleading that day. Yeah, well, I can see that on your face. So what do the I need to do to get their program back on track or, or be more consistent like the Ferentz has up in Iowa City? What do you well, think? I'll tell you this. Uh, Ferentz is probably my favorite coach, if not uh, favorite sports coach around. I've, I've, I really got to watch him uh, and his culture, and I think that culture is a huge piece Uh what he does, not only with his team, with the solidarity, with um, the children's hospital, the cancer center there, um, everything that he does is a reflection on the men that play football there, which is a reflection on all of athletics there, including basketball, because I, I like Iowa's basketball coach, too. And I think uh, Iowa hires people to reflect Ference and it. It's uh, very, very uh, impressive. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's probably it, it gives me the same feel when I talk about him as Coach K at Duke. Yeah, and everyone gets crap about Ferentz and his salary and stuff like that. But he does donate millions and millions back to to the community, to the university, and to uh, the cancer center. So and let me ask you this: Were you there when the did they was that when the wave was going on, or was that the next year? No, it was uh, that was it was going on because my daughter not only got to participate at her whole time there uh, at Iowa, but she also was uh, able to actually go into the hospital on the floor with the kids, and she got to cheer. Wow! And so it was so cool because it was really a great experience. And you know, I know I'm an Illini fan, but the older I get, the the more you are. Uh, a sports fan slash mm -hmm. you just, you really just want to see good people and do the right thing. And for anybody that's a non uh, Iowa fan, what they do at those games for the cancer and the kids and that hospital is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Wow. So yeah, I, I mean, you see it on TV and it gives you chills, but I can't imagine being in there uh, when that's going on and you know, sure. It's hard to keep a dry eye during that time. So, yeah, I agree. Well, enough of the pleasantries. Let's get down to business. Are you ready, sir? Let's go. I feel the need, the need for speed. We have a lot to talk about, like the book and what you're currently doing. But let's start with Matt George, 20 plus years ago. Where were you in life yeah. and your career? And would you have ever pictured back then that you would be the CEO of not only a large nonprofit, but one of Peoria, Illinois' top 15 employers? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, it's always been my goal is to be a, a, a CEO. And I, I've been lucky enough to be a director of Jeff's Foundation and, and uh, president of Youth Farm and president and CEO at Holt. And, and now uh, uh, 12 years ago, I merged a youth farm into children's home and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life and and uh, had great board support and now it came full circle and and six years ago I came here at children's home and it's it's a it's a dream job you know helping changing lives and saving lives every day is um, it makes you feel good and, and to watch people do it uh, our team here to watch it every day we have 450 employees Wow. It's curfew. And, and when, when you have that many employees that there's something going on, good or bad, every five minutes, 
uh, with um, communities and kids and so on. Um, it's it's fun to watch from my seat. That, that, that's fantastic. And, you know, and I'm going to we're going to jump into Children's Home in a little bit. But you have a path that took you down leadership positions and several nonprofits. Why is that? And what draws you to nonprofits and why not take your talents to the corporate world? Well, I, I think I think it's um, very simple. It's mission. Um, when you look at going corporate, I don't think it's bad that you go corporate. But uh, when you, you know, you do your job and there's probably some good feelings to it. I really don't know because I've. I've I've never done it, but I do have a lot of friends that, you know, they work at the big employers here and, and, uh, you know, they go do their job and go do everything and, and it's fine. But what we do here at Children's Home and other places, other social service agencies, nonprofits, um, it's life changing. And, and it's really why I wrote the book, um, is to kind of not only say that it's big business. I mean, we, we are in a big business, but it's our job to take care of our communities, no matter what community you're in. I don't care if you're in Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, Peoria. Um, it's all of our jobs, uh, corporate or non-corporate, to take care of the kids and, and the families of our community. Wow. So tell us about the Children's Home. What does the organization actually do? And what was it like when you arrived? And how has it changed today? Well, I, you know, this this agency's been around 154 years. Really? So that long? Wow. Jeez. It's I didn't so, know that. Here's here's what's cool. 1866. Okay, so seven months after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, uh, a group of women um, decided to start the Children's Home Mission, and it went from that to what it is today. And and um, so, 154 year agency. We're a a very large employer, 450 plus employees. We have 50 plus programs. We have a budget of 30 million. Um, wow. So. Yeah, if you look at small business, uh, there's not a lot of small business that has an annual budget of 30 million. And and so, you know, we don't take that light, lightly. We have a heavy responsibility here, not only with the business aspect, but with the changing lives and saving lives aspect. That uh, that's what makes me get up every morning and want to run through a wall. And that's the truth. Wow. So when you say changing lives and saving lives, what does that I mean? What is that? How are you guys doing that? Well, uh, if you look at foster care as an example, we have 200 plus foster care kids in the system here at Children's Home. There's 200 plus foster parents. You go to Youth Farm, which is part of us, and and uh, there's 50 kids that are in residential where um, they're really. It's one of my favorite parts of the agency because uh, these kids need us they need a lot of things that are that we take for granted then there's behavioral health and those are those hot buttons of mental health behavioral health those are huge uh, right now across the whole United States we have 60 uh, 60 workers that uh, um, that really do an unbelievable job of taking care of the crisis uh, uh, where our therapists are embedded into schools and so we have mm. we have that piece we have homeless youth we have um, two schools we have an academy for autism and so when you look at everything that we do it is so broad and so diverse that uh, I can honestly say that there isn't a day goes by where our team does not save a life 
change a life and uh, for the good. And so it's it's something that I'm proud of. It's something that we talk about from a team standpoint all the time. And uh, it's it's a fun business to be in, to be honest with you, even though it's a tough business. Well, now I understand what you mean by, you know, what makes you want to run through a wall every morning. That's, you know, congratulations. And I think uh, the community and not only the children's home, but the children's whose lives you touch are, are beneficial that you've chosen this nonprofit route, Matt. So, you know, it's, hats off it's, to you, sir. Thank you. It's it's a right. It's not only me. It's it's uh, it's really not our team here, 450, but it's also social service people uh, all across the United States. It's it's uh, it's they're unsung heroes. Yeah. Well, I know you've had other business ventures. Tell us about some of them and how have those experiences aided you in your success today with your current role at the children's home and in life? Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. I've always had side businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really haven't the last five or six years because what I've realized is the need is even more than what it was 15, 20 years ago. I've had uh, restaurants and sports bars, and um, I've always, uh, because of the access that I had to athletes, I, um, um, I know a lot of athletes professionally. I, I uh, work with a lot of them with autographs, and, and so I had that as kind of a side business too, and that's really been fun because um, I've had a fun collection built up over the years. That's yeah. number one. Number two, I use a lot of those items uh, for auctions to raise money for the the core cause of what I do. And so it's, it's just kind of a hobby, uh, but it's fun. And uh, the restaurant business is, is probably what I, where I learned uh, the most. Uh, you learn everything from budgeting to uh, being a professional to, um, customer service. But I think the thing that if I take away one thing that I learned most from it is HR. And it's really just handling uh, people and um, making sure that people are taken care of. And it doesn't matter what position you're in. And and I take that same philosophy here. I, you know, I don't go around saying I'm the CEO. I, what I do is I say, um, our maintenance team's just as important as my job, and it's the truth. Uh, the cooks yeah. here just as important. And ask a kid. A kid's favorite thing to do is eat. And right. so um, if you look at uh, everybody as being equal and everybody having that same mission piece, I think it's. Uh, uh, I think that's what the takeaway for me is. Yeah. No, and I think that's really important. It's a great outlook. I remember, I can't remember where I was. But it was a previous um, leadership role that I had. I can't remember. I was with uh, an employee, and they introduced me as their boss. And after the conversation got done, I remember turning to them and said, don't ever refer to me as your boss again. I, I'm a coworker of yours. We work for the same company, just different roles. That's it. Because That's I, I, never, I, I never really liked that. I just, you know, we're all equal in my mind. Uh, we just do different things and have different responsibilities. And it, if you're all on the same page, uh, getting to the finish line, uh, and ours just happens to be mission, um, it, it works. Yeah. Well, one thing you learned in the restaurant business, I don't know if you learned or someone else did this for you. And I always noticed, uh, branding, you were really damn good at that. Some of your commercials yeah. that you did, did, now did any, who helped you with that? Or is that all, is that all you? Is that just your personality, I- Matt? That's my personality. I mean, I I, uh, <laughs> I, I made all that up. I am the can-do king. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny because I think um, 
I'll be 50 coming up here this summer. And, and I, in my mind, I still think that I, I have that mojo going and I still think that I've got, you know, I, I haven't lost it yet. And, and I think what scares me, I guess, so to speak, is, is thinking what happens when, you know, that, that 20 year old kid comes in and starts, you know, taking that piece and, and right. it, it's still there way, Kirfie. And, and it, if, you know, it's fun. I, I'm a guy who likes to have a lot of fun and yeah. you have to, um, in this business and, and in the restaurant business. I mean, the restaurant business is one of the toughest things um, I've ever experienced. And I, I was either smart enough or dumb enough. I haven't figured that one out to, to do it a couple times. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think you're right. I think, you know, we used to have this idea that you had to be a different type of person when it came to working or being employed, what have you. And I, and, and believe me, I fell into that a long time. Oh, hey, I'm the CFO of this company and I need to act this way and I need to look this way. And I'm just like, you know what? I hate turning that person on and off for eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours a day and then going home and being someone else or hanging out on the weekend with my friends, being someone else. And just recently, the last couple of years, obviously with the facial hair, you know, I, I've changed. I, I'm, I'm me. I get to be me now. And uh, doing my own business, I, I, I'm me. And if you like it, great. If you don't, well, I really don't care. Someone else will. Right. Um, but I'm not going right. to apologize for who the hell I am. Uh, and I don't think anybody should. And I think people are seeking the truth more now than they ever have been because we live in this world of social media where everyone puts out these uh, you know, Hey, look at me. And you, you get this anxiety of like, Hey, well, how come I'm not doing as well as this person? And everything seems to be great. But the reality is most of it's fake. And I think there's this yearning for people just to be truthful and talk about, you know, you, who you are, your struggles, your failures, your successes, and what, what made you the person you are today. And, uh, that's why we have you here today to tell us about all that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. You just released a book called nonprofit game plan, the proven strategy for nonprofit success. First of all, Tell us why you wanted to write this book and then tell us the story behind how this launched and how the Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington assisted you with this. Well, they actually, they actually go hand in hand. I, I saw um, Kevin speak uh, in January at the beginning of, of 2019 and, and knowing being around athletes a lot, I know that um, people like that have exits after they speak. They sneak out. They um, they have a route and I knew that. And so I guessed his route <laughs> and so I was stalked right. him. I stalked him. And <laughs> why isn't this an awkward moment? And, um, I went up to him and I said, Hey, I'm not here to ask for money and I'm not here to pitch you. Um, because he just got done saying it, telling a joke that when he goes into hotel rooms, he wonders if people are going to come out from under the bed or outside of a closet to, <laughs> to pitch him for a product. And so and I there's said, that. <laughs> then there's me. but I said, you know, I run a children's home and he said to me, he goes, interesting. I'll call you in two hours. I have to catch a, a plane. And I said, Oh man. Okay. So I went back to my seat and I thought to myself, he isn't going to call me. And two hours later, he called me. Wow. He had done, um, I guess, a security check on, on me. And, and he knew everything about children's home and, and what I have done. He knew all about athletes and the pictures that, you know, I'd worked with Ditka and Andre Dawson. And, and uh, he, he said, at the end, what do you want? And I said, I'm, look I'm looking for a mentor. I'm looking for somebody um, that can help me not only with brand, but also, uh, with a, with a different mindset. And 
he said, well, if you're um, if you're serious, fly down to my house on on this on so and so date. And uh, he gave me a time and I went and uh, it was about three weeks later. And he said to me, I'll tell you what, I want to help you. Um, there's just something something about your story that I love, but I need I'm a busy man and I need you to go all in. In. And uh, basically, I said, I'm all in. And he goes, are you going to do you know, what I suggest? And I said, of course, of course I am. And he goes, you're going to write a book. And I said, oh, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. And he said, Matt, if you write a book, it's going to be your business card for the rest of your life. You'll never have to have to carry one again. And he right. said, you already have, you already have credibility with your title. But there's a lot, a lot of people who run agencies and organizations and businesses. But uh, this book will bring the credibility, number one, one. And number two, it's going to open doors to tell the story that needs to be told about people in need and the great things that people do that work in this business. Right. And 10 months later, uh, this past January 15th, we debuted. We hit number one on Amazon in three categories. Wow. And, and – uh, I got to uh, have the fun of opening up for him uh, in one of his conferences in Orlando, and I've been—I got to speak in Vegas and wow. and, and uh, Scotts, yeah. So it's been fun. And uh, in the back of the book, book, there's all my info, but below my info to get hold of me is it says. Um, Children's homes always looking for donations, and here's our address, and <laughs> and, uh, right. and because it does, you have to be closing all the time, and it yeah. goes back to uh, 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 taking care of our communities. That's a great story. I mean, I, I, what was your thought when you, like you said, you went and sat back down and you looked at your phone, and all of a sudden rings two hours later, and it's Kevin Harrington. You're like, holy crap. I mean, was you just like, but yeah. I mean, you deal with a lot of athletes and, you know, and, uh, you know, famous people. Was it that big of a deal or not? Well, it was a big deal that he called back, uh, um, it, it, to talk to him. I wasn't nervous to talk to him. Um, I knew what he was probably going to, going to ask. I would ask the same thing. What do you right. want? Yeah. Um, and, and he did, it was one of the first things he said. And, and, you know, he does a lot of things for entrepreneurs and he, he is the inventor of the infomercial and he, his, his, uh, products were the George Foreman grill and the Ginsu knife and the Jack LaLanne juicer and, and the list goes, goes on. And I then shark tank. And yeah, he's, you know, here's something cool. He's had 20 businesses, over 20 businesses that have done over a hundred million in revenue. And wow. so I'm, I'm honored to talk to him. I'm still honored to talk to him. I actually told him, uh, that I was going to be talking to you. To you. Uh, I texted him last night and said, I've got a podcast and here's what here's the info and he said find out when it is I love, it. I love it and uh you know he him and i probably connect five times a week and he's uh he's making sure that things that things are good so it, it's just been great well, well uh, thanks for putting pressure on me knowing that he's going to listen to this so <laughs> we're doing <laughs> oh, our best he does. i mean that's <laughs> yeah no joke he um he has listened to every interview that i've done he critiques them he has, um, and I love it. When I, when I spoke in, in Vegas, it was, or in, in Orlando with him, I mean, it was so, so cool because, you know, when you speak, speak you sit there and you wonder, um, what did I, what could I do better or what? And I got off stage and he goes, Matt, that was great. You brought tears to some people's eyes. That's awesome. Here's seven things that I would, I would improve. <laughs> and right. I'm like, that is, it's what I want. I mean, right. you know, somebody tell you the truth. You know, yes. You're not going to hurt my feelings. 
Uh, um, tell me how I can get better. And that's the relationship we have. And so it's probably one of the coolest uh, people to have as a mentor because he's tough. I mean, yeah. you see, you see, you see all these people on Shark Tank. They're not sugarcoating anything. They don't have time. You know? to. and so he doesn't. He doesn't have time to. And so he doesn't do it with me either. And that's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Well, awesome. And you bring up some great points, right? You, you want the truth, and we see it all this time. We're always worried about hurting people's feelings, and I'm the same way. I want the truth. And when I, you know, I run a consulting business. And that's one of the first questions I ask, you know, my potential clients is, well, what do you want? What, what do you want to be? Why don't you have it? Why right. don't you think you have it? You know what I mean? Because if you don't know what you right. want, and there's not much I can help you with. And we got to get that, we got to get that established right away. Because once we can set that goal, and then we can start laying the, you know, the path to get there. Um, and the truth, right. we all want the truth. And I think it's a shame uh, that we are so, again, afraid to hurt people's feelings because we all just want to be better. Right. You want to be a better employee. You want to be a better boss. You want to be a better husband, wife, uh, father, daughter. You want to be better at everything. But if people don't tell you or afraid to tell you when you ask, how are you supposed to improve? Well, I, you bring up something interesting. I'm not sure everybody wants to be better. You don't think better. so? Um, no, I, I think there's a majority of us that do. I think there's a, a group out there that sits there and is like, you know what, this is my job. This is what I'm going to do. I can't wait till five. Uh, I'm going to, if I don't have to be in the work at nine, I'll be there at one till uh, <laughs> I'm at 430. I'll be there at 430 and they can't wait. And, and the thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. And I think, you know, in any business in this day and age, you hear the term work-life balance. Uh, there's a fine line with it because mm -hmm. you really to you really have to shine. If it's for profit and it's a small business owner, you want the best, right. and your expectation is the best. And so to have subpar when you're when your own money's on the line, uh, it doesn't cut it. To have subpar when lives are on the line, it really doesn't, it really doesn't cut. cut it. Yeah. Well, Matt, I want to get more into the book and other leadership questions, uh, but we do have to take a break for a few sponsors. And yes, believe it or not, people actually pay me for this. You do realize that's nuts, don't you? So I'm going to let Matt get a drink of water <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I will reapply some Coon beard oil to my beard. And when we come back, Matt is going to discuss more about his newly released book, Leadership, and we might have a little fun with Matt as well, if he's up for that. You going to be up for that? I'm up. Oh, heck yeah, I am. I'm ready, man. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Hashtag Biz with the Beard. This is business as you've never heard before. With us today is the CEO of the Children's Home of Central Illinois and the author of the new book, Nonprofit Game Plan, The Proven Strategy for Nonprofit Success, Mr. Matt George. Welcome back, Matt, and thank you for sticking around. Most would have hung up by now, so I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm having a good time. <laughs> uh, I know, bud. 
So, Matt, before the break, we discussed your relationship with the Shark Tanks, Kevin Harrington, and how he mentioned you. And, yeah, thank you now that I know he's going to listen to this and I'm a little stressed. So, I'm probably going to stumble through this whole thing. Um, <laughs> I personally know that mentorship is a big part of your career. And a lot of people, especially those who have their own businesses, don't seek that type of help. Tell me and everyone listening why you think mentorship is so important and how every CEO CEO, CFO, or anyone in leadership positions should probably invest in a mentor, coach, or some type of assistance outside of their own environment. Well, it's um, mentorship is the most important thing in business in my mind. I mean, think about think about this. You sit there and you go to school or you go to whatever uh, training, and and that's what you do. And a mentor is somebody that can take you they can if it's a true mentor um, not pat you on the back all the time push you to get better in whether it's hr or financials or whatever it may be i've had mentors for 25 years i wish i would have had them right out of college because i would have mm -hmm. been i would have just done a much better job um but i have a mentor here in peoria um for 20 years now and he pushed me like no other. And he pushed me in ways that made me uh, want to get better. And I didn't know I wanted to, um, if that makes sense. And, and I, yeah. let, me give you, let me give you some examples. I knew I could put on a fundraiser. Uh, I put on 250 events over my time. I knew I could speak publicly. I was never nervous or scared. I knew that I could raise money. Um, those were my top two or three things that I was good at. So he asked me once, uh, Hey, are you going, I heard you're going to a conference. And I said, yeah. And he goes, what conference are you going to? And I said, Oh, it's a fundraising thing. And he said, it's the biggest waste of money that you could do. And I said, why? And he goes, cause you can already do it. Write down your top 10 things with, uh, number one being what you're great at. And number uh, 10 being what you're not very good at. And my bottom three were, uh, reading financials, um, f reading financials, how a board reads them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then another one is, was HR and another one was grants. And he said, okay, so now we know what you're going to focus on. And now if I had to do that top 10 list, I'd say HR's in my top two or three. I could, I know right now I could, uh, if I didn't want to be a CEO anymore, I know I could be an HR director. And so, and then I went and went the extra mile. I ended up getting my series seven and I got all, my, I got my insurance licenses and I, and I don't hold them anymore, but I passed all the tests and I studied and I understand finance and, and all of that. And then I, um, I went to, um, he challenged me. I went to 10 board members and then I went to six bank presidents and said, how do you read these financials? And every one of them read them different. And so I learned, and I think that's the power of a mentor. Um, I don't think there's an age limit to having a mentor. I think uh, the older I've gotten, the more I want to learn and the more I want to read. And uh, um, I think it's gotten better over the years, too, because, I mean, there, one of the challenges I was given by a mentor once was I want you to read a leadership book a week for a year wow. and stack them up in your room. And I did. Um, I, I accepted every challenge given to me, and I will tell you it's changed my habits. I don't even 
look at a sports page anymore. Uh, I still know sports, but I don't look at it. And and it's changed who I am for the better. And, and I couldn't be more thankful to the eight to 10 mentors that I've had more, but there have been eight to 10 that have changed the direction of my life. Well, well I, I, do, I, I do business consulting and coaching and I work with CEOs all the time. And I have a mentor. I meet with him on a weekly basis. Right. And they're like, well, you're a coach. Why would you have a mentor? Well, because I need one. Everyone needs one. It's important, right? Because I need someone's going to tell me the truth. Someone's, like you said, that's going to challenge you to get better. Right. And, uh, you know, I've done that. Like you said, I don't, man, sports, I don't follow it like I used to. Not not even close. I don't pick up, you know, I don't know. You know, at the end of the season, when playoffs come, I might catch a few games and get kind of excited for my home teams. And uh, unfortunately, I probably still do watch a little too much Hawkeye football. But other than that, uh, gosh, when I was younger, I mean, I wouldn't miss a Bulls game. Uh, I wouldn't miss anything. I could tell you, read the stat line of every single player. And, you know, I've just kind of refocused my thought process and, uh, you know, trying to better myself. But it's all because I've hired that mentor that's going to challenge me. That's right. And I, I am challenged now to be a mentor. And so I've had, and I track everything. I've had 13 people that, uh, I've helped and still help. And, uh, um, and now with some of them, I I'm challenging them to become mentors. And I think it's one of the most important things in any type of business is to have somebody that cares for you and pushes you in a way like no other. Right. I mean, and especially if these mentors, what they're going to do and what we do, how I, you know, what I focus on, I always focus on, I call it my five B's, the brain, the body, you know, your business, your uh, bonds, which are your relationships and then your brand. And to have someone challenging you in each one of those areas and trying to make you better in those areas is just going to just going to improve who you are as a person. If they can pass that along and pass it down. To someone else, you just make it just it's, it's just that whole thing. Pass it on, and the whole world becomes that much better. That's right. That's right. So let's jump into the secret <clears throat> sauce of the book. What are the main areas that nonprofits need to address immediately, and why? Well, I, I think a lot of nonprofits talk about collaboration, and that's a buzzword that you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. We need to work together, and it they don't. They uh, nonprofits typically stay within their own sandbox. Um, they do what they've always done. Uh, programs, some programs haven't changed since the eighties. Um, and, and, you know, in this day and age, that is not how business works. And, and that's why in the, in the book, I compare nonprofit to for profit because it really, it's the same thing. You still have personnel. You still have a budget. You still have all the issues of a business. And in for-profit, if you're not collaborating, you're uh, killing your business. And that's that's the same thing here. And, and so I think that's the biggest thing. Um, the other thing is uh, it's competitive. And so dollars are tighter. And again, direct correlation with for-profit. Dollars are tighter. Everybody's going after those same uh, those same people. And so in our in our world, it's whether it's state funding or federal funding or grants or United Way or donors or um, corporate individual, whatever it is, um, you really have to have good outcomes. And if you don't have good outcomes, 
then in my mind, you shouldn't have the money. And, right. and so, uh, I, and I think there's an entitlement piece to nonprofits because you're doing good for the, the people, so to speak. And so you, you don't have to be tight and everything that is so far from the truth. Um, and people that run businesses like that, run nonprofits like that, uh, they won't be around years because that mentality uh, is changing across the board. And if you don't believe me, go ask any corporate for-profit right. CEO because you're not going to get the money. Hey, so you use a term today, and I've heard you, you know, I've seen it in the book. When you speak of a 501c3 facelift, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so the 501c3 is the tax code, so to speak, that's tied to nonprofits that make us tax deductible. So if you gave me $1,000, you can write it off because we're a 501c3. Um, 501c3s need to look at themselves in the mirror. And it doesn't matter whether you're um, a big agency or a small agency. It really goes back to what I was just saying of let's reevaluate and see what is going on in the community, what the needs are. There's a lot of needs assessments out there. If you have 50 programs, why are some of your programs ranked 48, 49, 50? Um, and do we really need 10 after school programs? Do we really need, uh, multiple duplicated programs in a, in a community when, when dollars are tight? The, the reason why I decided to write about that and really take a strong stance on it is because it's actually hurting our communities. Um, if, if somebody down the street can do a better job at taking some sector or some piece of business then it, it's my uh, philosophy to let them have the business. Most people don't think that way. If there is a difference between a nonprofit and a for-profit, um, maybe that's the piece because the, we're not always looking at making money. We're looking at making change. And so when you look at um, potentially taking a hit on a program, but it, it's the best for the community, then you should do it. And that's not always the case. I have a program that has never been in the black. It's, it's lost money and lost money and lost money, but I can argue and justify to any board member and to, I, I don't call them donors. I call uh, people investors, any investor that if we don't have this in our community, you're going to see uh, a trickle down effect that is going to be devastating. And so there's that, that mentality. And I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I will say that C CEOs in nonprofits and boards, because boards are typically volunteers and they protect the veil of the agency or the social service agency that they're part of. But really we need to open it up a little and kind of hold hands and say, you know what, we're going to do this together and it's going to save um, this group of kids over here. And it's really going to be my push this next decade to spread that word And um, because I'm so adamant about it. It is the most important thing, no matter what community you're in, is to take care of it. And if you have the mentality is that that person's messing with my program or trying to take my money, uh, then it's probably going to come back and bite you or the community. Well, it probably comes leads into my next question because I know team, and you, you, like you said, being a sports guy and having that connection, team's probably very important to you. And I'm sure, you know, sports sayings stuff like that uh, intertwine those with your uh, your, your coaching and your leadership. But so obviously, team not just within your organization is important, but it's important within the community as uh, you know taking care of your community. You all should be working together as a team. 
So how do you approach that? And, you know, in the community and within your own organization? Well, within the community, uh, I take it seriously and, and I take a, a leadership role as it is our job at Children's Home and it's my job as CEO to um, take care of the community. I'll give you I'll give you a few examples. Uh, my my board does not handcuff me on raising money for other agencies. Last weekend, there's a, a, a local agency that asked me to MC the event and be the auctioneer, and I did. And, and they ended up raising $30,000 more um, at, for their agency, but it's tied to Meals on Wheels. It's important. So, so uh, this I'm going I'm I'm to stop you there real quick. So how hard, I mean, now, I mean, you've proven it. How hard was it then to get that message conveyed that, hey, this is going to work if you allow me to do this. I mean, were, I mean, did you upset people at first or people in the community? You know, do they not see it? And how did you overcome that? Well, it's funny because from a board standpoint, enough of a board member of the board members in the community saw what I was doing and they actually loved that mentality. They um, and, and we have a special board here at Children's Home. I, I, you didn't ruffle any feathers at all? And no, one, no one got worried? And said, oh, well, what, what's Matt doing? Um, if they did, they didn't tell me. But, <laughs> but I will say, I will say it ruffles. <laughs> I will say that it probably ruffles some feathers out and about. Because if, you, if you're a director and you're saying, well, you need Matt to raise money, um, is that a good or a bad thing? I look at it as a good thing. Because yeah. Because you have the security and confidence that you're bringing somebody in that this is what that person does. Yeah. And at the end of the day, let's be real. Uh, the goal is to raise money, and you got it, and who cares who did it? Now, there's overexposure. Uh, I think I spoke 38 times here, here last year in the Peoria community. I, I emceed 11 or 12 events. So once oh. a month, I'm – yeah, and, and – and, there's good to that and there's bad to that. I, I'm being a little more selective now, but you know, Crime Stoppers comes to me, I help. Um, uh, Sheriff's Department has something for a fundraiser, I help. And, and so I think the hardest thing is saying no, um, because it goes against what's uh, what's in your body. You know, it goes against your heart. Well, you're a best-selling author now. You got to be more selective, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, funny. <laughs> No, well, how much harder is it to run a nonprofit organization in a state like Illinois who faces financial troubles? And what do you think needs to happen at the state level? And how can other nonprofit CEO, CEOs navigate those type of waters? Because I'm sure it's really it makes it much more difficult. Well, I I don't care what state you're in. This is the the easiest thing to do is be transparent and ethical. Um, the transparency piece. If we have something bad going on right now in Peoria or in at children's home and we have a tough case, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't sit there and wait for it to hit the media and hope nobody questions me on it mm. or what's going on here. I mean, nobody has time for that. Uh, and I, I think that transparency piece is, is what makes my relationship with the board so important. It's, um, it's, it's a big deal. And I, I don't take that lightly at all. Um, the other piece is, is, running a good business, that ethical piece. I mean, we have a president and CFO here who, and you know CFO better than anybody, that it's very important to have 15 straight years and no findings in an audit. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it is very important to have your numbers to the penny when you're accepting dollars. Right. And when you, I don't care whether it's um, a donor or a state or federal, whatever it is, 
every penny needs to be accounted for. It's not our money. Um, and we take it seriously. And, and that's why we have the best. I mean, our president CFO is, um, I'd take her over any other CEO around and, and that's no bust on any other CEO. It's just, that's how good uh, that's she is, but, and, but that's how, that's what you need. And so if there's one thing that I, if somebody wanted advice from a non, the, the number one thing is to have a good, a good CFO. I'd rather have, um, holes in my development department or something else th- and, uh, than have a, a weak CFO. A right. CFO is the most important piece, not only for for-profit, but especially for nonprofit. Yeah. Well, thank you for the plug there, because <laughs> as you know, we run a, a consulting <laughs> business and we do outsource CFO bookkeeping work. And, you know, like a lot, a lot of you said, you know, we come in there and we take a look at the numbers a little bit differently. We read them differently than a normal, uh, you know, data entry or a, a bookkeeping employee would do. It's more about just sticking in transactions. It's about reading them and making them tell a story that needs to be told. Uh, so you can run a healthy organization and make healthy decisions. And that's what we do. And we don't sugarcoat it. You know, a lot of times I'll say, Hey, this is what's going on. You need to do this. Well, you like it or not. That's the truth. That's the fact. Numbers don't lie, especially if you do them right. And you nailed it. The key, the key word there is healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're running a solid business and it's the right way, even in down times, it doesn't feel as bad. Exactly. Well, it's a, you know, the whole thing, uh, we had a guest on here before and I think, he, he, uh, you know, the gentleman, Jim McConaughey, you know, he's good economy hides, hides, hides our sin, but man, when the economy goes down, <laughs> those sins come to, to the top <laughs> pretty fast. And, uh, yes. you know, as you're looking at fixing your business, you don't fix it. Uh, and that's what I tell people too. They, when do we hire you? I said, well, you don't hire me. We have problems. You hire me when things are going well. Because that's when we can make the correction right. a little bit easier. And it's a lot easier to, to do it when it's very difficult. And believe me, you but, know. But Kurt, most people don't think that way. No. They'll wait until the problem hits them in the face. They, sh- they should be looking at, um, look at it as a checkup. I mean, what what a, you could do is your own little CFO audit to go in there and say, you know what, I'm, I, I hired this person to come in and, and outside, you know, third party to come in and look mm-hmm. at and take the temperature of the agency. And it's probably the best money I've spent. And it makes me sleep at night. Yep. You know? Well, and that's the thing. And one of the first questions I ask, you know, because I, you know, we do assessments and if I, whether we want to work with someone or not, I said, well, do you look at your accounting department or your finances as an expense or as a, you know, valuable asset to the business? If they see their financial department or their accounting department as an expense, then we have a lot of work to do because it's not, it's a valuable yes. asset in my mind. It's so, the most important asset in my mind. Yeah. Well, Matt, you're an extremely busy guy as you, you know, put out there and you actually touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, what is your thoughts on life and work balance and what do you want Matt George's legacy to be? Work-life balance is tough because, you know, especially in, in social service or nonprofit, because you can't, you know, it's, I, I kind of relate it to being an oncologist. You can't have 10 cancer patients in a day and go home and just think, you know, I'm going to turn on the Cubs game and everything's going to be fine. Right. Um, your mind's moving at all times. You know, uh, when you have 1,700 kids a month flow through an agency like we do here, there's something on your mind at all times. So the things that I do are uh, I stick to a routine. I, I make sure that I attend everything with my kids. I make sure that I coach as much as I can. I make sure that um, um, I don't have my phone on me, uh, which is hard, uh, at mm-hmm. dinner. 
all these little things. But, you know, what my kids, my younger kids, I have three older kids and they're all out of the house. But my younger kids, what they probably don't know, know is they go to bed and then from 9 p.m. on, I, I, I go back and I work again because – I, you know, I want to start the day fresh. I, I told you early on that I go every morning I get up, I'm ready to rock. I mean, I am. I, there, I, very rarely do I not have energy. And awesome. you know me. Yeah. And that piece, that's part of a mindset. I mean, that's not something just because I ate fruit all day the day before. <laughs> I'm trying to sit I eat healthy all the time. I mean, that's not, it's in your mind. And, and, a couple and then the other the thing, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing is, um, Taking, I, I, for me, it's taking care of my family, and it's making sure that everyone's good. Because a lot of times, if I was my daughters, my older daughters, I'd look at it as, you know, Dad cares more about sometimes um, the kids that we don't even know than sometimes us. Right. And and so over those years, I've gotten better at that and understood that. And now, um, it, my relationship is is so great with my my three oldest daughters that they all are in the business in social service business um and i never thought that would happen i write about that in the book about you know as a young dad you want your kids to be doctors and lawyers and all these things and then um i never wanted my kids to see what i what i saw and now my oldest daughter is a uh, school-based therapist and my daughter works with a and a senior living facility in Scottsdale, and I, my other daughters in childcare, and uh, wow. you know, I don't think as a, I could be any more proud. And so that work-life balance is, is something you think about. But there's a I lot of things you, that leave your mind. When I think you just, uh, you know, I think you just answered the question too. What's your legacy? And the fact that your children are following in your footsteps, you know, in the same direction as you know, helping people. That that's an amazing legacy, and that's better than any amount of money that you could leave anybody. So, you know, good job, Matt. No, I appreciate it. And I, I, the older you get, you know, this, you, you think more about your kids and, and your legacy is your family. It has, you know, people, this place, place been going on 154 years. I'm just one of thousands and thousands of employees here yeah. here. And, uh, at the, end of the day I have my kids, my wife. Well, Matt, this has been an absolute joy and a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners will benefit um, from this as well. As much as the community that you're involved in has benefited from you and your leadership, so. But let's get into knowing Matt and George a little more personally, if you're game. Yeah, go ahead. It's a trap. All right. Well, I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you ten questions rapidly. <laughs> and you have to answer as right. fast as you can. If you, so if you want to take a okay. second, take a breather, or are you ready? No, let's go. All right. Chicago style or thin crust? Thin crust. What was the last gift you gave someone? Books. Your books? No. Uh, <laughs> I, buy, I buy a lot of books for a lot of employees all the time. That's awesome. What was the last song you listened to? Oh man. Um Back in Black. <laughs> nice. That's a good Hawkeye song right there. I love that. <laughs> Celebrity Crush. Gonna get you in trouble. Oh yeah. Um Jennifer Aniston. Uh oh. I might be in trouble on that one. <laughs> okay. Favorite musician. 
Um, boy, that's a tough one. You can default to ACDC. I like Blake. I like Blake, I like Blake Shelton. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I just moving south. I've been listening to a lot more country, so <laughs> I'm all right with Blake. What's your favorite movie? Kind of cool. Godfather. Nice. Who's the Who's the messiest person you know? Curfee. Give it. Go. Oh, I. Oh, hell with it. <laughs> That's a bullshit answer. <laughs> I know. I know. Messiest uh, person I know. Well, I I'll let know. you. I'll let. I'll take I'll that. So, <laughs> most famous person you have been in all of meeting, and I know you've met a lot of them. Muhammad Ali. Wow, really? Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I was. I actually went to the ESPYS. Um, I, I, here, you want a name drop story? I went to the ESPYS with the host Jeff Foxworthy, and uh, I got to sit with the Yankees, and I'm a Yankees and Cubs fan, and and I got to sit with the World Series team and uh, Andy Pettit and Jeter and all those guys, and and uh, um, got to meet them. And uh, coming down the aisle, I look over, and there's Muhammad Ali, and so. I, I put I pushed past uh, uh, Paul O'Neill on the Yankees and uh, got my arm out and uh, went up to Muhammad Ali and he shook my hand and and uh, it was just something cool. I mean, he's just a an icon. Yeah, I, I and you know what? I don't think you'll ever hear another story where you hear Jeff Foxworthy, Muhammad Ali, and the New York Yankees in the same story. That's just impossible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's What's... even more to it another time. <laughs> So what's your signature dance move? Oh man, I cannot dance. <laughs> I is it like the water sprinkler or the lawnmower or something like that? Moonwalk? Uh, I can moonwalk. There you go. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with the moon. I can right. moonwalk. Last question. Favorite <laughs> podcast? Oh, it's yours, man. Curfee. <laughs> Curfee is the beast. Uh, I look like a beast. <laughs> Well, I mean, how, how do you uh, say no to be getting invited uh, on on the Beards po- podcast, man? That beard of yours rocks. That is hilarious <laughs> and awesome at the same time. So oh, I appreciate it, man. Well, Matt, this has been a very informative show, and you you just been an amazing guest. I've had a blast. Very informative. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Um, like I said, I've known you for some time now, and I knew your passion and personality would be a great fit for the show. However, your experience and expertise has taken it to a whole new level. I would love to have you back on. Um, it, but before we do that, is there anything else you want to add or plug before we go? Um, tell everyone where they can get the book and how to support the children's home, maybe? Yeah, I mean, you can go online uh, and support the children's home at, at org. Uh, children's home Peoria. You can also uh, Google and, and uh, you can get my book on Amazon. It's a nonprofit game plan, uh, Matt George and, and uh, I'm having fun with it. And, you know, I, I want to thank you and all your listeners. Uh, um, you rock and uh, not only a good friend, but this is uh, not a, a BS podcast. This is a good one. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm just honored to be on it, man. I'm honored. So thank you. No, no. Thank you for coming on. And uh, anything else you want to add before we go? No, man. Just uh, have fun in Atlanta and enjoy the, uh, enjoy the weather. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Matt, thank all you right, for man. Yeah, thank you again for coming on Hashtag Biz with the Beard Podcast. Much love and success to you. But before I sign off, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard. Then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. Don't forget, while you're on Anchor, subscribing 
If you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help support the show, all you have to do is hit listener support and we could feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. Also remember that all hashtag bizwithbeard listeners, you will be hooked up by giving with or by getting your first month free when you sign up for Coombox from our friends at Coombeard Products. Just use the code and bizbeard when you sign up and you'll get your first month free. And there you have it, friends. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. Until next time, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Biz with the Beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.